The Eric Erickson Show across the nation from my flagship studio, WSB, in Atlanta, Georgia. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I'm actually in the studio, which makes it a a wild and, and just unique, interesting situation. Okay, now to begin the day, we must begin with what happened in San Francisco. I think it's rather important we start there. What happened in San Francisco was a parental revolt. This ties into another story that we will get to, but let me give you the overview of what happened in San Francisco. They had a recall on the the wokest of the woke members of the San Francisco uh, school board. Now, for those of you who don't understand, there's a signature drive. It's it's a pretty burdensome thing that has to be done along the way in order to get the members of the school board off the school board. It's actually a pretty big deal to have a recall, a successful recall, particularly in a place like San Francisco where you actually have a lot of voters who get to vote on the school board, but they don't actually have kids within the school system. And the reason they don't have kids, the reason they don't have kids within the school system is because, well, San Francisco is largely childless. It's a problem if you want to get rid of school board members in San Francisco when you have a bunch of non-child-like people there. So we need to proceed. We must proceed with the recall. The recall in San Francisco, well, it was significant. The parents in San Francisco decided that they would go after the three woke members. Highly targeted, pretty significant. And those woke members at the school board, they were ousted. This is from the San Francisco Chronicle. San Francisco voters overwhelmingly supported the ouster of three school board members Tuesday in the city's first recall election in nearly 40 years. The landslide decision means board president Gabriela Lopez and members Allison Collins in Fago Maliga will officially be removed from office and replaced by mayoral appointments 10 days after the election is officially certified. They're out. They're gone. It's a big deal. They're out and they're gone because parents revolted. Parents had enough. Parents were tired of the woke school board system that did not value their children, did not value the families, did not value education. They used San Francisco schools as not just a source of indoctrination, but as a place to close down. San Francisco schools did not want to stay open. They wanted to keep masks. They became a burden to the families. And in becoming burdens to the families, they decided, they decided, the school board decided that they knew best. And by knowing best along the way, the parents decided they knew better. 
This is something that's been going on now for the last couple of years as we've seen Democrats, and you can tell their polling is terrible. We're about to shift to the polling. The Democrats have said along the way that uh, we, we need parents to not be involved in schools. How dare parents think they should have a say in the education of their children? How dare the parents think they can decide the curriculum and they can decide the attendance policy and they can decide the mask policy? Well, the parents are also something else. In many cases, not all cases, but in many, if not most cases, the parents are something else. You know the word, taxpayer. It's not just the parents who want to say in the kids' school. They're taxpayers, and as taxpayers, they want to say in their kids' schooling. And they get it. They get it in large part because of the recall. But it goes beyond that. It, it's, it's more important than that. It's part of a larger effort around the nation. The GOP culture war attacks are alarmingly potent, warns the DCCC. That's the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. That is the arm of the House Democrats that runs their campaigns. This is from Politico. It dropped today, or actually it dropped last night. Democrats' own research shows that some battleground voters think the party is preachy, judgmental, and focused on culture wars. And the party's House campaign arm has a stark warning for Democrats. Unless they more forcefully confront the GOP's alarmingly potent, in their words, alarmingly potent, culture war attacks from critical race theory to defunding the police, they risk losing significant ground to Republicans in the midterms. The Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is recommending a new strategy to endangered members and their teams, hoping to blunt the kinds of GOP attacks that nearly erased their majority last election and remain a huge risk ahead of November. In presentations over the past two weeks, party officials and operatives used polling and focus group findings to argue Democrats can't simply ignore the attacks, particularly when they're playing at a disadvantage. A generic ballot of swing districts from late January showed Democrats trailing Republicans by four points. It wasn't all bleak, though. The data showed that Democrats could mostly regain the ground lost to Republicans if they offered a strong rebuttal to the political hits. When faced with a defund the police attack, for instance, the presenters encouraged Democrats to reiterate their support for police. And on immigration, they said Democrats should deny support for open borders or amnesty and talk about their efforts to keep the border safe. Now, listen to this. This is the key paragraph here. If Democrats don't answer Republican hits, the party operatives warned the GOP's lead on the generic ballot balloons to 14 points from four points. A dismal prediction for Democrats. When the GOP only needs to win five seats to seize back the majority. But when voters heard a Democratic response to that hit, Republicans' edge narrowed back down to six points, giving candidates more of a fighting chance, especially since those numbers don't factor in Democrats going on the offense. Okay. 
It also, uh, the internal polling showed Republicans are actually pretty effective with center-left voters and with independents and with Hispanic voters. But there's a problem with the Democrats' own polling. First of all, we've never seen ever in the history of modern polling, we've never seen an R plus 14 generic ballot. It simply doesn't exist. It is the Yeti of polling. It doesn't exist. Uh, the, the, the abominable snowman, the unicorn, it is a polling R plus 14 is basically if a the Loch Ness Monster and a unicorn had a love child raised by the abominable snowman and Bigfoot, that is R plus 14 polling. It doesn't exist. It is more mythological than Zeus and the pantheon of, of Olympic gods. And yet the Democrats polling is warning of R plus 14 generic ballot polling. It's not the Republicans polling. It's the internal Democratic lay of the land. That's really bad for the Democrats. Oh, my gosh. That is bad for the Democrats. And it's bad because if it's real, the Democrats really are toast. I mean, if they push back, if they push back on the defense, you get to R plus six. The R plus six generic ballot polling, remember, this is a this is of generic ballot polling. You typically have to add two points to the GOP there because of registered voters and, and uh the, the constituencies, how it breaks down. That gives the Republicans really an R plus eight. That's nineteen ninety-four numbers. That's not two thousand ten numbers. That's nineteen ninety-four numbers. That's uh Republican Revolution numbers. That's Gingrich Revolution territory. That's how big it is. That's how bad it is for the Democrats right now. That's the lay of the land. So it's no surprise the Democrats went out and said, hey, we're all getting rid of the masks. We follow the science, and the science says get rid of masks. We follow the science. The science says open up the schools, and they've got a problem on that end. We're going to spend more time on this later, but they got a problem on that end, too. And the problem on that end, too, is that the partisan progressive Democrats are livid with the Democrats for walking it all back. Got all sorts of problems there. If the Democrats go too far to respond to the Republicans, they alienate the progressives. Think about it on schools. The Democrats tell us all the time they're not engaged in critical theory, and yet when it's evidence of it is found, they say, well, we need it. They're trying to have it multiple ways, every which way, and it's not going to work for them. It's bad. The Democrats are having a real hard time threading this needle. But the larger issue is look at their solutions. Say they want to support the police. Go out aggressively and say they want to support the police. That's not what voters see on the ground. They see Democratic politicians letting people out of jail who should be in jail. They see Cori Bush and AOC and Rashida Tlaib and the like said, oh, no, we really do want to defund the police, and we're going to double down on it. Cori Bush out there made the Democrats mad, said, I'm going to keep saying defund the police because it's the right thing to do. And then the Democrats are going to say, we oppose an open border and amnesty. Who's going to believe them? Who's going to believe them on that? And all you have to do is go take a camera down to the border and show. Notice, by the way, how much of the media has stopped covering the border. 
with the exception of Bill Malugan at, at Fox News, it's gone away. You don't see CNN or MSNBC or anyone else at the border. It's as if the story doesn't exist while people are still streaming across the border. It's the media giving an assist to Joe Biden. Think about this. The border issue is showing up in the Democratic polling as a problem for the Democrats, and suddenly the media has stopped covering it? This is a problem for the Democrats. And the Democrats say they're going to go on offense. They say they're going to go on offense. How do you go on offense? How do you go on offense when Joe Biden is so far underwater and the Democrats control everything? They point to a special election last spring in New Mexico where Melanie Stansbury, Democrat from New Mexico, she got into Congress in a special election against a Republican candidate who had accused her of trying to defund the police and disband the Border Patrol. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Her district was already like D plus 20. There was no way the Republicans were going to win. But he says, we need to push back. She pushed back. She said she's not for open borders. She's not for defunding the police. She pushed back hard. And in a D plus 20 district, guess what? Majority of voters agreed, supported her. But voters in a D plus one district, they may not. And there's a side story here. You know, the Democrats were very aggressive in their redistricting. They were very aggressive in redistricting. And they carved up a lot of districts, and those districts are D plus one, D plus two, maybe D plus five. It means the Democrats have a five-point advantage. But that's based on 2020 when Donald Trump was on the ballot. He's not on the ballot this time. And the Democrats' own polling, I read you that line, their own polling registers and plays well with center-left voters. Who are center-left voters? Suburban moms. They're furious with the Democrats. You don't come between them and their children, and you don't come between them and their 401k. And right now, the Democrats are interfering on both fronts. The stock market isn't doing well. Inflation is on the rise. And their daughters who want collegiate scholarships now have to compete with boys pretending to be girls. And the Democrats are okay with that. May God have mercy on them because the voters will show them no mercy in November if this keeps up. I want to cut corners and just get to the chase. A lot of you hear podcast ads and radio ads for Bull and Branch, and you're thinking, eh, they're just telling you it because they're getting paid. I'm actually telling you it because I'm a customer. We actually have Bull and Branch sheets, and yes, they are an ad. Yes, this is an ad, but yes, I really am a customer. I only like to do ads for companies that I really like, and I love Bull and Branch. So does my wife. My wife actually heard the ads, and she wanted to try the sheets, and now they are the sheets in our house. Bull and Branch does not cut corners. They make super soft, wonderful sheets. They use the softest organic cotton they can find. They get better with every wash. They soften and soften and soften, and they only use 100% sustainable raw materials. They're the first fair trade certified manufacturer of linen. You can feel as good about your Bull and Branch sheets as they feel against your skin. 
They are so soft. They don't get too hot. They don't get too cold. They're just great. And every wash improves them. That, I'm telling you, is one of the coolest things about these sheets. It's like sleeping on a new bed every time you wash the sheets. It's great. Now, you can experience the best sheets you've ever felt at bowlandbranch.com. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. If you would like to be on the program, you are more than welcome to call in 877-973-7425. Uh, so we need to have a, a talk about one of the issues I've changed my mind on. I tell people all the time that I'm, I haven't really changed my views on much in the last 10 years. There are a few issues here and there. Nothing fundamentally uh, has changed where I viewed conservatism along the way, even as, as some others might have changed. I just, I, I simply don't. I'm kind of fixed. Now, as, as data comes in, I may nuance and refine and stuff, but there's one issue where I am now uh, fairly well, pretty chronically, uh, I have changed my mind. I used to think disclosures were a good thing. I used to think might as well have people disclose their donations. Uh, it, 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 fairer and, and transparency, all that sort of stuff was good. I have increasingly become opposed to doing that. A number of years ago in California, I remember a waitress lost her job when uh, someone leaked the donors or, or they pushed out after being made public by California law the donors to the, the uh, Proposition H, the uh, gay marriage ban in California that passed in California. And the no-hate activists stormed into this restaurant and demanded they fire the woman or they would continue to protest. And she got fired because she donated money. And that was the beginning of the end of my support for donations. That's party foul. Uh, no one should lose their job, regardless of which side of the aisle they're on and which cause they support. You shouldn't lose your job because you donated to Black Lives Matters. You shouldn't lose your job because you donated to uh, a, a, a uh, pro-traditional marriage issue. Ottawa's Stella Luna Gelato Cafe in Ottawa, Canada, was forced to close Tuesday after receiving threats when owner Tammy Giuliani's name appeared on a hacked list of Give, Sin, Go donors to the Ottawa Freedom Convoy. Giuliani says she now regrets making her $250 donation on February 5th and that staff in the shop has begun receiving threats Monday morning after her donation was posted on Twitter. We got a call from the team saying... We're getting phone calls here, Giuliani said in a phone interview. I said, what's going on? And they said, they're threatening to throw bricks through our windows. They're threatening to come and get us. We said, lock the door. We'll find out what's going on. Giuliani said she ordered the shop closed and staff to go home for their own safety, and she intends to report the threats to police. Now, here's what happened. This online donor portal was hacked, and then the, the donors were released to the public, Reuters and other news outlets ran stories on the names of the people who gave money. It was hacked, hacked, stolen data. News outlets ran the information. It was put on Twitter. Twitter never turned off the accounts. And now let's go revisit the Hunter Biden situation. In Hunter Biden's situation, we don't know exactly how all the information was obtained other than a guy says he actually brought his, his hard drive into a computer shop to get it fixed and the hard and the, the owner leaked information and Twitter shut down accounts sharing information off Hunter Biden's hard drive 
saying it was inappropriate. They haven't done the same thing here. The, the data was unquestionably hacked. The media ran with it, and it was all designed to target harassment at the donors to the Freedom Convoy, and members of the press are in on the act. They're highlighting, I'm in Atlanta. A number of people in Atlanta gave money. Won't give you their names. They're patriots for doing so under the standards of the left, and yet they're going to be harassed. And the media is in on doing this. We should not be disclosing donations to political causes anymore. Hello there. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program, let's go to the phones. Garen, you're going to be up first. Welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. I just wanted to ask you about this, you know, concealing identity uh, and disclosure of campaign-type contributions or contributions to uh, things that you're interested in giving to. And I was wondering if if you could tell me why or tell us why um, you can't just de- give to, like, a party, the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, as designated funds. Um, you know, maybe we should do that. Uh, you can certainly give money to the political parties uh, for certain causes, but uh, actually, you know what? I'm I'm stalling somewhat because it's one of those things where I know I know the answer to this, and now it has come to me. So, under federal law, you can give up to twenty five. I think it is maybe they've gone up to thirty thousand dollars to the political parties, uh, and that's it. Uh, now, for you and me, uh, that would be sufficient. Let's let's send a couple hundred dollars earmarked to this candidate or that candidate. Uh, But the way federal financing works, it's complicated because, for example, in primaries, you can't give to a party to convey to a candidate. And then once you actually give it to the party in the general election, the party and the candidate can't coordinate. So it becomes very difficult to try to tie those two together. We may need to change campaign finance law to be able to make something like that happen. Because of those situations, Um, it's federal campaign finance law complicates our ability as a people to do things like that. And and it's so premised on disclosure and transparency fights corruption. And what it actually does is it enables uh, political opponents to go after each other. I'm increasingly convinced uh, we got to rethink this whole idea of transparency, given particularly on the left, the weaponization of campaign donations. And people should be able to give donations to the causes they uh, care about without the mob coming for them. Now, we got we got to move to some other data. I'm actually fascinated by this. Are you satisfied with your life? Are you satisfied? Now, are you satisfied with the direction of the country? Overwhelmingly, people are not satisfied uh, with their direction of this country. You know, um, the United States has gotten up to 70% satisfaction. After George W. Bush was elected and the nation kind of rallied post 9 11, 70% of Americans said they were happy with the direction of the country. We were a united people. For most of the 80s and 90s, actually, Americans were really satisfied, and then it cratered in 1992 with the Great Recession then, and during Bill Clinton's tenure in office, it went up 
George Bush gets elected, gets up to 70% after 9-11, and then it begins to go down all the way to 10% around the time Barack Obama was elected. And then slowly it went up to 41% in 2020. It's crashed in 2021 to 11. It's back up to 17%. That's not good, though. 17%. When Ronald Reagan became president of the United States, it was at about 17%. It got all the way up by the year 2000 to 70. And we're back to 17%. Ha! Jimmy Carter was 17%. Joe Biden at 17%. But here's something really interesting. According to Gallup, and Gallup's been doing the surveying for a very long time, 85% of Americans are satisfied with their life. Now, the high in Gallup's one, the highest it's ever been is 90, and the lowest it's ever been has been about 76. So people tend to be pretty satisfied, but it's actually markedly gone up in satisfaction uh, from 82% to 85% over the last couple of years. Are you satisfied with your life? Now, think about this, because uh, we've had some profound implications with satisfaction. Parents today are more involved in their children's education than they have been in some time. Think about San Francisco and the parents rising up and organizing a recall campaign and getting rid of three members of the school board. The parents had enough. Think about Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. The parents rose up. By the way, a bipartisan coalition in the Virginia Senate has passed a law banning masks in schools. In the House of Representatives in Virginia, it was a party-line vote. It's gone to the governor. It's going to be signed into law if it hasn't already, and he will win on the mask issue. The Virginia Senate Democrats got the message. The Virginia House Democrats did not. The Virginia Senate Democrats were not up for re-election, and they're about to be, and they know hell is coming from the voters still. Parents are suddenly more involved in politics for the benefit of their children than they've been in years. It's a good thing. Are you satisfied with your life? So, this reminds me years ago, my wife and I, when we first got married, we lived in a little rental house in uh, Macon, Georgia, Pianono Avenue. It was a, a noisy intersection at which we lived in this little rental house. And the secret to a good marriage, I learned this very early on in marriage, king-size bed. You know, I, I listen, I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't want to snuggle when I go to sleep. I mean, I'll snuggle before I, I go to sleep, but when I, when I go to sleep, I want to be off in Siberia. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't put your cold feet on me. Don't come over to snuggle. You make me sweat. I love my wife. She makes me sweat. You know, we've got this dog. we got a golden doodle, Maggie. Maggie is a sweet, medium-sized golden doodle. I left town one time, and Christy... Let the dog in the bed. And they snuggled all night together, wedged themselves into each other as tight as possible. 
I came home. I put the dog in the crate. Half the night, the dog barked and yelped to get back in the bed. All right, fine. And you know what? It turned out to be a lifesaver because Christy and the dog, they wedge into each other real tight, and I can be off in Siberia by myself. It's been the perfect compromise. Been the perfect compromise. You need a king size bed so your 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 partner, your spouse, your significant other stays way the hell away from you when you want to go to sleep, so they don't snuggle and make you sweat. I am a firm believer in leave me alone when I'm ready to go to sleep. Don't touch me. Keep away from me. I want to be cool under a pile of covers, snuggled in myself under the covers. So right before we got married, we had come to this conclusion. We lived in this rental house, and I ordered a king size mattress from Macy's. Y'all are wondering where the story's going, aren't you? Bear with me. Well, they called and they told us it would be delivered at 10 a.m., middle of a week. I want to say it was a Tuesday or Wednesday, so I, I, I stayed home from work, slept in a little bit, was in the shower, and there was a knock at the door. Now, they said 10 o'clock, and this was maybe 9.15 in the morning. I'm like, my gosh, they're early. They're driving down from Atlanta. Traffic must have been good. I'm in the shower, and they were very clear. If you did not answer the door, it could be a week before you got your king-size mattress. They were coming with the frame, the mattress, the box springs, all of it. So I jumped out of the shower. I mean, it's just a bunch of dudes carrying this mattress down there. I jump out of the shower. I mean, I'm pouring water everywhere. I got a towel wrapped around me. I run down, open the door, and as I open the door, the towel drops. And it's three little Jehovah's Witness ladies there with the watchtower. Was not the mattress. <laughs> they never, I never, the Jehovah's Witnesses have never come back to my house. They never have. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. They've never come back to my house. There's a puddle of water, there's a towel, and they dropped the watchtower and ran. And on the cover of the watchtower was something about satisfaction and being happy in life. It's a perfect tie into this story. Now, a lot of Americans, we're, we're not in the Jehovah's Witnesses. A lot of people have moved out of the church, and they're, they're not in the church, and they're trying to find satisfaction in the world. And interestingly enough, a lot of people right now are finding satisfaction in the world. Now, I did, I, I, full confession, I did not read, though I felt so terrible. I mean, Literally, these people, they nearly fell off the front porch. It was so terrible. And then the mattress guys did show up, and we all had a great laugh. Um, I felt so bad, though. But nonetheless, they left behind the watchtower, and I didn't read the watchtower. I really didn't. I didn't read it. Put it in the trash. But satisfaction. What What is your solution to satisfaction? You know what Gallup finds in its survey of American satisfaction is that people are more involved in their families' lives. There's this thing, they're, they're calling it the great resignation. Have you heard about this? This is the phrase they've given to it, the great resignation. People are resigning from companies literally actually to spend more time with their families. You know, normally when someone says, I, I, I'm leaving to spend more time with my family, is because they got caught in a scandal and they got to get out of Dodge. They don't really want to spend more time with their family. They got into scandal because they hadn't spent any time with their family. But now, I mean, legitimately, really, people are leaving high-paying jobs to spend time with their family. Moms are giving up their lower wages than typically the dads because of their life choices to stay home and help the kids and possibly homeschool. Homeschool curriculum sales are through the roof right now. 
parental involvement in schooling is more than it has been. There has been a, a, a despair and a malaise, as even Kamala Harris says, in the economy right now and people's despair about the country. There have been people thinking we need some sort of strong man in the country, some sort of Caesar, or maybe we need a great divorce, secession, a civil war. we got to fight each other. People aren't happy. People don't like the direction of the country. They don't like Joe Biden. They don't like the economy. They don't like any of this stuff, but they're starting to realize one of the, the upsides of the pandemic was they were forced to stay home with their family and in being forced to stay home with their family. They were forced to figure out how to be a family when it's very easy in this day and age to be a family without actually being one. You can work all the time, go off with your friends. I sometimes feel guilty that I travel a lot and spend too much time with friends and not enough time with my family. I've been thinking about that lately. But by and large, people have realized they like their families. They want to spend more. They actually literally do want to spend more time with their families. They want to rearrange their life and their priorities, and they realize they don't have to make the million-dollar-a-year job. Yeah, it makes them a little more comfortable, but the amount of work that they're doing, it's not worth it. you got loved ones who have died of a virus in the past two years. Nothing could stop it. People seem to lose their mind. People are looking at their families thinking, this is where I find my satisfaction. I am more mindful probably than I should be because my uncle pointed it out that my son is the last of the men in our family. And if he has girls and no boys, the family name goes away. And I shouldn't dwell on any. I realize I, I should not dwell on anything like that. But it's it's my uh, my dad's brother had a boy and a girl. The boy had two girls. My dad had me. I had my son, uh, and so my son is the last of the Ericsons. I'm the last of the Eric Ericsons in the family. We went with Gunner for my son. And I sometimes think, man, I I, I got to spend more time with my kids without him giving me a concussion on the golf course and things like that. And there are times where I, I get so crowds. I had to give a speech this weekend. I'm, I Believe it or not, I'm not really an extrovert. I'm pretty much an introvert. I can talk to you guys and sound like this because I am literally in a room with Jim who runs the board and me, a microphone and a camera, and none of you are around. So I can sound like I like you without having to hang out with you. <laughs> I just, crowds. If I'm on a stage talking to people, I'm fine. But waiting through a crowd, it exhausts me. I had to give a speech on Saturday. I haven't quite recovered from 500 college kids. But I, too, I think I'm satisfied with life personally, with my family. COVID has made us be a team in a way we didn't have to be before, particularly with my wife's health. We've had to uh, – the kids, when they were little, watched Wonder Pets. What's going to work? Teamwork. We've had to. We've had to be all in this, all hands on deck together. We've had to be a little more involved with our kids' school. I've had to be a little more involved with the kids as they're getting as they're getting older and they actually were blessed. Our kids want actually time with us. They don't hate us. They don't want to keep us away. People are satisfied generally. It's showing up. 85% of Americans satisfied with their life. They're not satisfied with the country. Now, here's the problem for the Democrats. There is a political angle here. It's not. I don't know that it's one we need to dwell on a lot, but here's this. People's lives together collectively is the body politic. 
And if the body politic is only 17% satisfied, they're going to want that aspect of their life that they're unsatisfied with to rise in conformity with where they are in their personal life. Now, it's never actually going to completely happen. We should be honest here, but they do want it to reflect in some way more because of their family. And when they're that dissatisfied with the world around them and politics, and they're that satisfied with their family around them, they're going to want to make changes in politics. And that conforms to all the other polling we've seen. It's going to have a really terrible effect on the Democrats when they get to November in the midterms because they are in charge of everything. And so the voters will hold it against them that their whole life is more satisfying to them now than it was two years ago, except in politics. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program? Glad to have you with me. All right. I, I So I this is one of the funniest things. Um, Rush Limbaugh and I have had this conversation before. The number of pilots who listen. Now, I, I know, uh, look, I'm broadcasting on the most listened to talk station. It's my flagship station, WSB in Atlanta. And you've got Delta Airlines and Southwest major hubs. And now you've got um, Allegiant and uh, Spirit. Looks like they're going to merge and make a, a big hub in Atlanta. And the number of pilots who listen, it, it always amazes me. There's a story about an American Airlines flight going from New York to Los Angeles. And an unruly passenger tried to storm the cockpit. And when he couldn't open that, he tried to open the main door. Now, you can't open the door on a plane at altitude because of the way plane doors are designed. Uh, The air pressure inside the plane is so much greater than outside. It keeps you from being able to open the door. But he was trying. Is trying very hard, trying to get into the cockpit. The passengers had to ambush him. One of the flight attendants grabbed a coffee pot and began to hit the guy over the head. They took him down, but the plane had to make an emergency landing. They listed it as a level four emergency, which is the highest level. I don't know that you guys know this, uh, and I only know it from having talked to pilots, that planes are far more maneuverable The jets we fly are far more maneuverable than you may realize. I've been on an emergency landing one time when someone went into cardiac arrest. I I know, and that was not this level of emergency. The plane fell 30,000 feet in less than eight minutes. About 5,000 feet a minute, they thought the plane was crashing. It went down so fast, but actually they can do that. They're perfectly able to do that. A fascinating dynamics here, but uh, God bless the pilots and the flight attendant and the passengers who took that guy down and hauled him off. He was apparently uh, had a mental break and went super paranoid. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for $750,000 or higher. You see an opportunity where banks, they don't even want to see you. You want to buy a building. You want to build a building. Reach out to the Frost family at First Liberty Building and Loan. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the 1990s. They want to help you if they can. 
So spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a good fit for them and they're a good fit for you. Their website is firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. Again, you need a loan, $750,000 or higher. You're a small business and you see an opportunity to grow. Share it with the Frost family and see if they can help you. Firstlibertyga.com. That's firstlibertyga.com. First Liberty Building and Loan can help businesses nationwide become bigger businesses.